Hello and welcome once again to the Silicon Sasquatch podcast. I am Spencer Tordoff. Joining me we have Nick Cummings. Hello there. Aaron Thayer. Hey everybody. Tyler Martin. Hello. And Doug Bonham. Good afternoon. And today we're going to get a little bit topical. Uh, Specifically, we are going to discuss a couple things that have happened recently. One is the ongoing situation, uh, at this point somewhat diffused but not over by any stretch of the imagination, uh, situation in Ferguson, Missouri. And the Missouri, yeah, uh, M states really throw me for a loop. Um, but Ferguson, Missouri, where uh, the police killing of an unarmed uh, black teenager uh, spiraled into militarized police deployed on the streets of the city. I believe it's a suburb of uh, St. Louis, if I'm not mistaken. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Okay. Um, all right. Meanwhile, uh, during the during the thick of the protests and nick was the one who noticed this on twitter um there was a bit of posting about the latest in the battlefield series which has been delayed to 2015 battlefield hardline which is about militarized police doing battle with criminals so the question that we're all looking at here is how much is too much on this. I mean, this this is something that has become very, very real. Are we comfortable with the ga- way that games are just kind of idly glor- um, glorizing? No, glorifying. Glorifying. Uh, glorifying, yes. The <laughs> militarization of police. So this uh, preview that Nick pointed it out to the group, that was on Polygon, wasn't it? Yeah. Um, do, so... Do we find them to be tone deaf considering the situation or is it like, are, are they at fault at all for um, pushing through with the news about some new gameplay video for this cops shooting people game when the Ferguson thing was going on? Or do you think they even actually thought about that? Yeah, I think it's, so it was interesting to me because I read the article uh, it was it was short. It read like a news brief, kind of like you know you can recognize a press release being recycled into site content. It read very much like that. It was like four paragraphs, uh, and I looked at the comments because I was looking at this being like, this is posted in the, in the thick of like protests in Missouri, like about and like you know the, the whole world is crying out about like why are the police in APCs in the middle of the suburb and this kind of stuff. Why are they and there in was riot gear with assault rifles trained on peaceful protesters? Yep. That kind of question. Uh, and there was one commenter when I looked at it who said, like, I find this to be in poor taste given what's going on in Ferguson. And, you know, of course, being the Internet and these people being gamers. Screw you. Yeah. People shouting him down and saying, you know, screw you, man. This is you're being dumb. But, it, and, you know, I, I, I understand that Battlefield Hardline is not a game about police militarizing against unarmed civilians. It's, it seems to be a game about police militarizing against criminal like like criminals like organized crime with you know basically military grade weaponry right yeah 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 you're you, in the multiplayer there are terrorists that have ak's so yeah yeah right and what, right. what we play of the beta um at least or i don't know alpha beta whatever the hell that was um showed basically really organized criminals with equivalent weaponry and uh hardware uh stealing money while cops try to come in and you know, kill them all basically and recover the money. 
Now, I I do want to point out here, just, you know, for sake of comparison, uh, Rock Paper Shotgun posted the video uh, for Battlefield Hardline, then immediately followed up with, uh, at least on their Twitter feed, if anyone wonders what happened to the Battlefield post, we decided it was a bad day for it given current events. So somebody is out there paying attention to this shit that's going on. Precisely. Yeah, but good. in this case, but, it's not Polygon. Well, that's that's what scares me, and I think this is why it's a great and pertinent topic, uh, is how much should we expect and hold accountable um I would say it goes more to EA in the moment, like choosing to release this single-player footage, and I think that's what it was predicated on. Um, I watched the single-player footage of Hardline, and it is definitely a game where you are a super cop who can choose to kill or not to kill whichever criminals he wants without any sort of uh, hesitation. So, you know... Everything that's been going on in Ferguson since Michael Brown was killed is horrendous, and I, I think all of us agree there, and not to step into the political element, but it's really, really fucked up, and um, I, I, I'm curious to hear uh, Spencer brought this up before we started recording of whether or not games like Battlefield and that uh, style of violence are desensitizing or at least numbing us to the shock value, because... When I saw the images of what was going on in Ferguson with those APCs blockaded and the police officers uh, in full riot gear with the assault rifles, I, I I almost kind of believed it. Like, yeah, that sounds about right. And then I had to stop and think, whoa, what the hell is going on? These are peaceful people. Why is this the reaction? So, yeah, like, like why is this not think... freaking me out instantly when I see it? Yeah, mm-hmm. exactly. And where is that coming from? Is it games like Battlefield that are doing that to us? I think um, both politically and in the case of Hardline, this is these are cases where, you know, three right turns turn into a left and you have good intentions and turn out to go the wrong way. Um, in the case of why p- police officer forces all over the U.S. have riot gear, former military gear, is because it was being decommissioned from the military use after our extensive warfare and... Uh, campaigns in the middle east in um, afghanistan and iraq this is going to be scrapped they were gonna there's a plan through the department of defense to give it to local municipalities to towns yeah, wasn't it last year some half billion of equipment was sold to local police departments well it's not sold it's, it's basically given at a very low cost it's not sold yeah. at cost because otherwise it would be being sold on an open market or they'd just be getting rid of yeah. it yeah uh, for just for, for my point of view, um, Seattle Police Department issued uh, a notice of everything they had acquired through this program, and they said that they just had to pay shipping costs for it, mm-hmm. um, kind of oh. like the opposite of Amazon Prime. And uh, <laughs> they didn't. Uh. It, it looked like they didn't get any actual like tactical combat gear. It was mostly just like reinforcement for bulletproof vests and like some basic like. It, to me, it looked a little, a lot more innocuous than the kind of things that were being deployed mm-hmm. in Ferguson. So but, they can kind of pick and choose if they needed yeah, the and APC. Every police department gets to decide. And, you know, coincidentally, on the other side of things, you have, you know, small county sheriff's units, small town police officer force getting what they have in Ferguson. Full riot gear, assault rifles, APCs, the, helicopters. Yeah. Spencer got really weirded out when he saw a picture of, from Hardline during Gamescom. Yeah, uh, well, actually, it wasn't the picture of uh, the helicopter at Gamescom. Oh, right. It was the picture of the helicopter that looks exactly like the one in Hardline, 
at Ferguson, like parked, wow. ready to take off. Um, just because I looked into it right now, I decided to pull up the exact numbers. Uh, the 1033 program, also called the DOD Excess Property Program, uh, which is where these local municipalities are getting military-grade equipment. Um, in 2011, it was uh, half a billion dollars worth of equipment. In 2010, it was uh, $212 million. And we're talking, like, they say, oh, it's just reinforcement. We're talking grenade launchers, uh, military robots, assault rifles, uh, camouflage, like, really high-tier stuff as far yeah. as local people are concerned. I mean, just the mine-resistant tanks uh, is yeah. something that really, really bothers me. Yeah. Yeah. It's like who they the, need those the in... has mines for a police sort of situation? Like, they are predicting that they're going to need that for ied protection in the middle of ferguson missouri right right that's just that's the insanity to me and i think a lot of them just i could be totally wrong here but they have all this equipment and they feel probably pretty cool in the moment mm-hmm. they look all uh, jazzed up and they have their their uh body vests and knee pads and helmets and the matching camo and the really cool rifles, and they're just standing there uh, yeah. to prevent escalation. And it just, to me, looks like a goddamn fashion show. You well, know how the saying goes, when all you guys are hammer, the whole world looks like a nail. Exactly. Right. That's 100% <laughs> true. Uh, the other thing, too, is that, um, and this is this is the one of the creepier things, I suppose. So, at least in uh, in combat zones, like in Iraq and Afghanistan, yes, they're armed to the teeth and heavily uh, armored and so forth. But, like, it's, it's officially, the, the, the official rules are you don't, like, when you're on patrol, you don't point your gun at people unless there's yeah. an actual threat. You have to go engagement. through, yeah. you have to go through chain of command before anything happens. Mm-hmm. Like, you, like, they're on the radio requesting permission to fire back in most situations. Yeah. Uh, and by comparison, the cops don't have any of that level of training. They're just waving their guns everywhere, firing, uh, tear gas into crowds because they can rubber bullets because oh it's non-lethal rubber bullets and tear gas were both deployed into the crowds in ferguson and civilians um, and journalists yeah civilians journalists everybody and uh and here's the thing is that games like battlefield as much as i love them reflect that type of cavalierness like occasionally you'll find people who play in a disciplined manner but for the most part you know, you're just running around firing your gun in the air. Yeah, and well, yeah, that's... in those games, you can choose your camo outlook for your soldier, and there's a moment where you're thinking, like, you know, I'm about to go and shoot a, a helicopter out of the air with this RPG, but I want to look really cool while I'm doing it. So I need <laughs> yeah. to find the best camo or unlock that. Yeah. And I don't... You mean you're a 420 blunt camo, right? Yeah. Oh, God. <laughs> if only they that's had Call, the Call of Duty, that's Call of Duty marijuana. For now. Um, but blunt force Yeah, Trump. you're right. The battlefield element is... I don't know. I mean, are we saying that again? Is that getting us to this idea that uh, those types of games are are changing our perspective on this and reducing the shock value? Or do they have any sort of uh, element to play? Or are we just saying that it was bad timing for them to release this um, hardline? Like, and, like I mentioned before, I think it's kind of like some good ideas that lead down the bad alley. Like, you know, there's 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 something to be said for using materials that are unused by the military and giving them back to police officers but maybe not apcs and helicopters or drones and in the same way with battlefield okay from the standpoint of making a shooting first person shooting game you need to keep things Mm -hmm. fresh so maybe we can do a different theme for this instead of just another sandbox another war that we have 
maybe we well, can find a theme that works on a more a level with police officers. But you're painting with a wide brush here. The problem yeah. isn't the equipment. The problem is the response. The problem is yeah. highly the response, but well, the response that... would be difficult without that equipment. Yes. Isn't the sad irony there that they have this game that's been in development now for probably at least a couple of years, knowing the sort of equipment that these police have, even in their fictional world, they have to have been basing that off of actual Oh, uh, absolutely. Loadouts. It's not that's like this I... all of a sudden came to a head with Ferguson. Yeah. Like, there have been instances in the past where it's like there have been reports on, holy shit, look at what these police are using. Yeah. In like, a, in a city, the police right. are doing the police are doing no knock raids for drug sweeps, but they're fully armed to the teeth with riot gear coming in for these things. Like, yeah, is that good is that? I mean, this is this is absolutely the direction I was going to take it. Where, yeah, I mean, that timing was probably really bad on uh, on EA's part and on the gaming media's part, but absolutely ultimately, bad. all Hardline is doing is reflecting what is already happening in the world, especially in the United States, where this excess uh, property is becoming, uh, you know, the property of police departments and where their responses do become much more extreme, where you have uh, SWAT teams and uh, armored vehicles kind of being thrown around cavalierly because they're available. But is that all they're doing, really? I mean, like, you could argue that it is just a game that you know, portrays a realistic portrait of uh, the equipment and tactics being employed by police that are different from the past based on, you know, largely in part to acquisitions from the military and that kind of thing. But that kind of disregards, I think, the tone, message, and perspective that the game puts forth. And I think that's where you start playing. This isn't a recent thing either. Like, um, I mean, it might not be glorified in the same way as uh, Battlefield, but the GTA games have always had that escalation presence when you're getting up to, like, five stars in your wanted level like the police start sending out tanks at well that's the army yeah that that's never been the police that's that is actually yeah that's the truth and and if you remember back from even from grand theft auto 3 they all you know one of the other areas in town was a military base so they've always drawn that line yeah yeah i do like where you're going with that though nick is um if i think of the battlefield series up until I guess you could count Bad Company, but most of those games have never had a single-player element. And Hardline has its single-player being developed by Visceral that did Dead Space, for those who don't know. So they're putting a lot of effort into making a coherent single-player to go along with the DICE-developed multiplayer. But what I saw in that 10, 12, whatever-minute single-player video... I don't know why I'm expecting any different, but exactly that is it's, sure, reflecting some realities of police, but I kind of, uh, maybe this is what I'm, I'm missing from a lot of games, I want them to be dealing with the themes of police action and like how, I'm totally fucking curious how they can justify in the game when the story starts, like what narrative is set up to say, all right, you're John Policeman, you can now go kill all the criminals you want. Like, do they even mention that at any point when the game starts, or you just yeah. are already assuming as the gamer, uh, yeah, well, I mean, I'm playing a shooting game, I'd be able to kill whoever I want, right? Yeah. So, it's just sad that from the video, and from what we know, that there seems to be no moral quandary with the idea of this is basically a movie version of what police do, and then this week we see the shit that yeah. this is actually some what police really do. 
in a way. I would be really interested to see them take a bit more of a um, inspiration from Spec Ops The Line. Maybe not in how goofy and how crazy over the top it got, but just in having moments of reflection mm-hmm. where you yeah. you do something and the result is has got to be reflected upon and it's not necessarily what you were expecting. There's effect to it. Yeah. Yeah, like what we should really be pushing for, I think, and maybe this is my own feeling about what I would advocate for, is I want to see these games that confront really pressing, complicated, convoluted issues like police militarization and Mm -hmm. present them in a way that does make you face these questions head on. It doesn't skirt around them. It doesn't use them merely as fuel for team deathmatch. Right. Like it, yeah. I, don't, I don't think that's an impossibility for a game like Battlefield, though, because you guys were talking about it's visceral making it, and visceral's dealt with like psychological issues, like mental trauma and uh, PTSD. So why couldn't they explore that issue? What game I did mean, they, they do that in? Dead Space, Dead Space two and three, especially. Oh, I didn't play three. Well, yeah, there, there. You're right. There's an element of that. It's it's the, fair the to say that partner uh, John, like he, his name's John, right? I forget his name. Co-op but, John. Co-op John, yeah. <laughs> but anyways, he's an ex, uh, mil- or he's a military guy, and the marker gives him visions of like his dead family or something. It's, yeah, it, it was a neat touch considering that if you only play single player, then you won't experience his story at all, really. But hmm. you do hear him on the radio, like seeing the visions and like freaking out. Mm-hmm. I guess I would love to see that then, like, like not specifically like PTSD, but like taking something, you know, having a battlefield campaign where it's not just these running gun missions or like, do you choose stealth or do you choose guns blazing? Like, you know, pushing those kind of quandaries onto the player. I mean, my, my perspective on it is that, uh, and this is coming from somebody who, I mean, we're, we're working on our top 10 games and I pretty much say that first person shooters are my favorite genre. Um, with uh, we're in a uh, medium that is like 95% summer blockbusters. Like it's mostly bad boys too. And then there's some other, you know, artsy smarter things tucked in around the side. Get real pretty frequently. Right? No, that's, I mean, that's, that's what games is, is that it's big time focus on action on, um, on big, big action, uh, and, and events and stuff like that. Um, mindless guns blazing explosions blah 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 and you know yes it would be it would be fascinating in in a type of game to uh explore police militarization how it's not a good thing and it's not gonna happen uh a probably not for a while b uh it's it's just gonna be the fodder for the you know for the michael bays of uh of game development but you look at games uh Wolfenstein even had some elements where it paused and That's true. thought and reflected on its shooter. Yeah, yeah, it was lampooning itself and kind of making fun of the Wolfenstein legacy. But I think that machine games, the developers for that approved, you can take a step back as a first-person shooter, still have a lot of shooting and killing and mindless violence, mm-hmm. but also give players a chance to go, wait a second... There's there's humanity involved here. There are characters that I kind of care about. Like maybe I should think more of stealth because 
like giving the choice and not just putting it in there as a bullet point for the the back of the box that you could choose whatever mission structure you want and you don't have to kill people but if there's not any sort of conversation as to why you should or shouldn't then it doesn't matter and i hope mm-hmm. visceral what tyler's talking about with the psychology that's been in the dead space games i hope visceral puts that into hardline but i don't really expect it because yeah. i think that that would uh that would kind of um undercut what dice is doing with the multiplayer yeah and right? i think that's what it gets back to and like you guys will attest to this but battlefield is always about the multiplayer first and like campaigns are an invention that just kind of came in with bad company and then later rolled into the main series of three they're kind of a later thing for the series and they still and feel tacked on i was gonna say they are utterly forgettable as far to, as far as they are the campaigns michael bay go. yeah plots yeah and there's there's very little in depth there. So yeah. and so you consider like the fact that if this is a vehicle for a multiplayer experience where people are going to be playing these shooting based matches with teams on these fixed maps over and over, that changes the narrative of the experience. It's no longer um, I play this map once, I see this encounter with police versus robbers, and I take this away. It's I am going to perfect my approach to every angle from every team's right. place on this, and like. It becomes a, a big abstraction of a real scenario, and that abstraction, I think, in, in making that transition as a gamer, because you're encouraged and you really need to think in a strategic, competitive sport sense with that game. You know, esports, MLG, all the way, like we are here. Uh, <laughs> yeah, if, if you were the gamer that is into hardline and you're playing the police uh, uh, faction, you don't. I don't think that they want that player to stop and think. Am I being too brutal as the police because of what they played in the single player or something? Like, there's not going to be any hesitation. It is, like you're saying, just another eSport deathmatch. That's its purpose. But there really could have been and could be an opportunity to have a police game single player do a system like Wolfenstein where they just focus on the narrative and bring up these questions. And I think that game would still sell because you don't have to not kill people. But maybe you have repercussions for actually killing people without getting a warrant or whatever the hell you need to get approval for. Yeah, and I think there are just so many cool angles you could take with that. Like, what if it's the police is divided into disaster response, like trying to get people to safety, and that's like a big part of what you do. And the other half is like going in doing like a tactical strike against terrorists, that kind of thing. Like, it doesn't have to be a one-dimensional, basically a riff on Counter-Strike. But if any game can get away with these things, it's a Battlefield or a Call of Duty, because... Those games aren't selling on their stories; they're selling on their multiplayer. Yeah. So, yeah, that's why I was gonna. It's not gonna affect the sales very much to have a sneakier story. Yeah, I was gonna mention that as a weird irony is that you know they're not being sold on the single player story the same way like Bioshock would be. So, might as well take some risks and do something interesting. But on the other hand, they probably won't be given the time to do that to turn that around yeah. and, and have the, the time or the resources of manpower to be able to do something a bit or the more freedom. interesting. Maybe the freedom, too. Yeah, that's quite possible. That's definitely I mean, a possibility. I think shooters are going to get better at it. I don't think Battlefield Hardline will be anything more than another um, escapist power fantasy about I get to play cops and robbers, and as a police officer, I get to mow down people yeah. without hesitation. But even looking at Far Cry 3 had some elements as ridiculous as it was of morality or thought behind the killing. I think I have um, the same problem, though, where it alluded to it in the rote narrative true. through the, like the dialogue, but by the end of the game, you're just basically a, a mass murderer. 
no matter what on you do. On a lot of drugs. Yeah. Yeah. And you're still named Brody. <laughs> I know. But, it's like, no matter what you do, you're still Brody. Yeah. Poor guy. I don't know. And, I, I just can't, I can't expect a lot of it from these games, but I, I hope for that, especially when it's getting more and more real with the, the blowback from Ferguson that will happen. I doubt any uh, local authorities are going to de, de uh, militarize themselves or give back equipment now that they have it, but I, I guess something like Hardline is a missed opportunity to have prior to Ferguson knowing the style that they were going for to take a step back and go, how can we uh, make a commentary on this? But that's not what they were going for. They just want to have another battlefield game that sells. And I was just thinking too, like with, with movies, if there had been a movie made about police militarization that was set to be released like six months from now and Ferguson happened, they'd shelve it for a year or two because they can do that. But with games, you can't run that risk because I'm guessing the cost invested is too high for these studios to sustain themselves. Uh, without running a loss that long, and the tech changes too quickly. Yeah, I think. Do you really think though, if there was a movie coming out in what, like October, or November, that would be, like this is not going to be newsworthy in the fall? No one's going to be talking about Ferguson anymore. You think so? I, I think well, it's just I, the U.S. Know, news cycle. Right. It's just like it, you, you got news for one hot minute and then it's gone. It's just if like this it, game was coming out yeah. this month or even maybe next month. It might be a problem. But in the fall, no, it'll be yesterday's news. Mm-hmm. I, I'm not convinced, but if you guys think so. Uh, well, I think that there's going to be a blowback from it politically, but we don't even talk about Newtown anymore. And look what yeah. happened with the gun control issues from that. Yeah. And that was huge. So yeah. I think Tyler's right, sadly. Um, I, th- I think it, Doug, I think it could say? it could still hang around because it's tying in with a lot of um, racial issues in terms of police and right. their uh, activities with... Um, people of color of all sorts of colors in places like if you look at ferguson as well that's a very big part of the issue but unfortunately yeah tyler's probably right that the new cycle will probably spin around but if something does happen it would be terrible to to have something else happen in another place and cause incident i just wanted to point out we've been talking about hardline quite a bit but remember the uh, e3 2014 from e3 from this year Another big game that was shown with uh, a big series that's taken a bit more of a cop or counter-terror turn is uh, Rainbow Six. The new Rainbow Six had the demo on stage was basically going into a house and trying to get hostages out. And it's cool that the new technology allows them to do a lot more stuff, but it's still really weird that their their level for multiplayer is uh, somebody's suburban house and they're just blowing the hell out of the walls and the floors to, to get people out and play to play virtual laser tag inside of a house. It, it's, it's Yeah, with clearly marked terrorist types that have ski masks on and AK-47, so you're not at any point thinking, oh, are these actually the enemy? It's, it's a clear black and white, kill these dudes to save this person next level thing. Which I, I mean, I get the need to talk about these things, but I reject the idea that these things should or have to make you feel uncomfortable. Like I, they are making these things because it is interesting, because it's cool, because it's something you want to try out. Like I am interested in Rainbow Six, I am interested in Battlefield, and these stories, uh, or the, not stories, but these real life events should make us reflect. But it doesn't mean that we shouldn't be touching these issues at all. It just we're just hoping that developers can do it more deftly 
Yeah, and you bring up the idea, and I think from all of this, if I step back, I am in no way holding EA or DICE or Visceral or any of these shooter developers accountable because I do know at the back of my mind, regardless of what I hope that they would do, that they're not going to change any of this. They are appealing to a mass market common denominator with these shooter games. So it is very rare that we get a gem like Spec Ops or... And it is the shitty reality of being Americans that we live in a culture where these things happen frequently. These what? shootings, these incidents. Yeah. So for us to to say like, oh, like how can these games or these stories exist in our culture? It's like, well, we either stop making shooters completely, or we find a way to handle it better. Because just sitting there saying like, oh, stop making uh, violent games because violent things are happening in real life. It's like, what, what's the option there? Do you, so not, do you want to stop playing shooter, Spencer? I don't think any of us is saying that we need to stop making violent shooters. No. I think that the issue is that we're not confronting these issues earnestly in games. The exactly. alternative that I see happening is, and I just finished reading, um, so this is kind of a related topic. I finished reading Rise of the Video Game Zinesters, which I know Nick had read mm-hmm. a while back. And reviewed, too, um, if I remember correctly. I did. Yes. The book by and Anna Anthropy. Anthropy, yes. So what I take away from that book is, and I'm going to tie it into this, is I know that these developers aren't going to stop making those games, and I don't want them to. But as Nick's saying, the opportunity to have these conversations is being missed. What I bet will will come out of Ferguson are smaller indie developers or hobbyists, people that that entire book, The Rise, is talking about, the people like you and I that, you know, I have a story that I want to tell. I want to make a narrative. I want to explore a thought and I don't have the pressure of being a triple A studio that has to make this game. I'm going to borrow assets from these three games, this engine, but I'm going to use it to tell a story that I feel is important. So I would not be surprised if some smaller indie games with a message come out related to the police militarization and brutality. Mm -hmm. And that's a good starting point. Yeah. As far as an alternative, that's a good place to have a dialogue about violent video games and how they reflect culture in the aftermath of this. And not that it's going to do anything, but it almost makes me want to make a game about that just because this is such a huge fucking issue. Is and it? Oh, God. Is, is it, it an, issue? an issue? No, no, no. I was going to say, is it weird that I find myself thinking that one of the best games to do this recently, and I use recently in air quotes, is Half-Life 2? Hmm. So. As far as like the totalitarian police state, state idea, police state, police brutality, um, but also aliens. So, look, I'm I'm well, saying I mean, you can interchange a Strider and a mine resistant vehicle. Pretty yeah, the, the point we of you know who those police officers in Ferguson are because they seem fairly oblivious. So they could be aliens. Yeah, and the point of <laughs> good sci-fi white. material is also to reflect what's happening in society, but to draw parallels through other races, other things, and instead of just distinctly drawing from what's existing in our world right now. So, yeah, I think, that's... I think Spencer's a got a good point uh, about the... Especially the intro to Half-Life 2. Yeah. Where you're, you're dumped into what looks like modern society, but, you know, there are these officers with stun batons everywhere, and, like, they'll tell you, pick up that can, put it in the garbage, and they will smack you if you don't. And it's like this... It's it is actually I think the best example now I think about it of like 
putting the player in that position of over-empowered police uh, that I've seen in the game. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I wasn't just being an asshole by saying No, that, no, I, actually... I was being an asshole by saying the alien thing, so sorry right. about that. No, it's okay. Uh, it did... But do you think that Valve actually was using that as a message, or that was just their scene setting at the time? I mean, both. I don't think yeah. they were trying to send a message. They were going for a 1984, like, Orwellian future kind of yeah. Yeah. They weren't trying to say anything about police brutality. I mean, the problem is that's kind of... I mean, I don't want to be that guy who's like, 1984 is now, vote Ron Paul. But, uh, <laughs> I mean, it is scarily getting like that. Yep. Well, we were talking, I think, when we were brainstorming this topic about how this is happening in parallel with like all these revelations about the NSA and the depth and breadth of its spying technology so when you, when you look at like an increase in aggression and armament in the police force the domestic police force in tandem with government expanding its understanding and data aggregation of its people i mean those are that's why it feels orwellian i think yeah like it's there's reason that you feel that way yeah i, I don't want to act like ferguson is indicative of the entire nation though i mean i think that it's a local police force. There, there could be wild differences between police forces in different parts of Missouri, different parts of the country. I mean, you guys were talking earlier about the different kinds of training between like militarized uh, individuals versus actual policemen. But yeah. as a police officer, like shooting your gun is still a serious thing. It's not just something you can cavalierly do. And if you actually shoot someone, like I mean, I have. Uh, at former service members in my family, it's it's a very serious thing. Like you are doing mountains of paperwork, and you are taken off the service for at least a brief time. You are uh, given mandatory counseling and therapy to talk about what happened and everything. Like there is a big investigation of even like firing your gun once at another human being. But Regardless how much paperwork of... do you think they're doing for pointing their guns off at the top of an APC and firing tear gas at people? Like that's more of the concern. I don't know. That's the concern is that there are no limitations on the, the they're not killing people. Yes. That you don't probably know was what never going to happen. Are. There could be limitations. And maybe the limitations for Ferguson are different than the limitations in Seattle or the limitations in Portland. We don't know. Well, That's I mean, if anything, I would just hope that the process could be more transparent. If, that, if totally. there's one thing that could come yeah. out of this, it would be us understanding as a citizens like what is the uh, logistics what is the the rules of using this new technology yeah that's the fear is that there are other municipalities that have that equipment and would do a similar thing to ferguson and we just don't know that's the problem nobody knows what any of these departments have well and and the and the police and police activity and brutality in a way has been it's been a big topic and it's been a big issue for the last few years like New York's um, stop and search r- rules in regards to people of color, African Americans specifically. Right. In Portland, there's been a lot of bad cases of, or in and around the country, there's been cases of you know people who should not have been shot being shot, and or especially Portland being a city of seventy two percent white people. Yeah, it's a it's, huge problem. I remember there were beanbag. Shot- only seventy two percent. Is it, is it that low? Is what you're or well, asking? Because I just I just looked at these demographics for a, a grant I was writing for a school, and it's seventy two percent white as of the two thousand ten census, six percent black, fifteen percent Hispanic, and then the rest are varying. So still a lot. I just of white assume people. that 
Portland would be more white. Um, Traditionally, well, I, I yes. do want to. <laughs> I do want to say back on our, our original topic. I mean, uh, you know, yes, things are different in each place, but it is still a very big problem. I mean, yeah. Seattle is still reeling from uh, the uh, police shooting of a native woodcarver. Yeah. A, uh, I believe a seventy-year-old man who was uh, nearly deaf and yeah happened to be holding a carving knife additionally seattle did kind of set the standard back in 1999 yep. with their extremely overbearing response to uh the wto protests yep yeah and the thing to take away from this is that uh the dod providing this gear to uh po- to local police makes it easier like mm-hmm. certainly there will still be individual limitations certainly there'll still be paperwork to fill out but you know if you have a tear gas, you know, grenade launcher, you're going to use it. There you go. It's, it's also worth noting Tyler said earlier, if you have a hammer, everything starts looking like a nail. And if you don't 100%. have 100%, if you don't have a hammer, you can't hit anything. It's also <laughs> worth noting that um, I was reading a lot of responses from former uh, army, Navy, et cetera, servicemen and women and uh, reacting to Ferguson. And one of the things that stuck to me was in acquiring a lot of these materials and these like tools, um, they don't, Police don't undergo the same requirements for training and authorization yep. to use them that the military yeah, do, yep. and that lack of oversight, I think, is should be troubling to everybody. Even if the image of someone on an armored uh, personnel carrier training an assault rifle on a peaceful protest isn't alarming, which it should be. So a toy. Than, more so than the uh, taking this equipment away from the police or talking about when and how or if they should be given this equipment. I think that this is probably an excellent case to be cutting down our defense spending and the amount of equipment we're buying on a year annual basis. But that's a bit of a different conversation, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Well, it, it, it brings me back to thinking about like in general with shooting games and first person shooters. Like I, I'm, I'm not as big a fan of first person shooters in general as like Spencer is. Cause I know he's, he plays battlefield and a lot of other games on a regular basis. And at a certain point I know like, well, let me ask Spencer, like, do you think more about the setting or the topic of a game like for a first person shooter multiplayer versus um, like, do you consider like first the um, physics or the game engine, the mechanics of a game, like which is more important when you're considering what you play and also what your friends want to play? And, you know, I hate to be that guy, but the uh, it's all about how it feels. Yeah. And that's, that's the first and foremost thing. I love a uh, a multi or not a multi a single player game that is really smart self aware. Wolfenstein was a breath of fresh air, mm-hmm. like just how self aware that game was and how um, how much it kind of played with the ideas of a first person shooter. But uh, yeah, when it comes down to multiplayer, it's ultimately a what are my friends playing? B um, how does it feel? Yeah, and yeah, I mean, don't get me wrong, you know the you know, Battlefield Hardline is kind of troubling in a lot of its themes at the same time, you know, there's the part of me that's going, yeah, I'm going to cover a sports car and explosives and drive it into somebody. Like well, that that's, sounds great. That sounds like a lot of fun. Cause it's so, so outlandish. Cause nobody would do that to their sports car. <laughs> yeah. So or that's, they? Uh, well, that's pretty much where I'm at is yeah. That's, yeah. That's the you know, this is an issue. Is, but. Like I can, I can accept, and it's been so long that we've had it. So I can accept military versus military or, even military versus armed insurgents, terrorists in within certain con, uh, contexts. But when you start doing military versus terrorists in civilian Americana, like or 
mil- or like police versus terrorists, like that just starts making me feel a little bit more squeamish, especially when we're seeing what we're seeing in in Ferguson and in other places around the U.S. Okay, again, it's like, what's the solution to that? Is the solution to avoid these topics in games? Is the solution to turn every game with these features into a commentary on the state of our nation? Like, I don't think, it's I don't think that we've drastic. said either of those things. No, it's yes, ultimately that's, that's a black or white thing. There should be, I, I think that there should be some example. Like, there's no reason that the single player of Hardline can't have a dramatic moral conversation about police in America today. And the multiplayer can still be its own stupid, yeah. ridiculous, put C4 in a car and do whatever thing. Like, exactly. They could have done that. And it could have still sold well. And I bet, I guarantee that if the the single player had more of a amazing thrust that made you think as a player but still gave you that bad boy's action, that it would probably help the game sell more. There's no reason for that single player to be brain dead, but I'm only basing that off of the one... Uh, video preview I've seen. Maybe they actually find a way to put in some some questions and some forethought. Mm. I don't know. I think, and granted this is me being idealistic, um, it needs to be investigated by games more. I don't think it's the end of the world if there continues to be an element of absurd partial glorification. Nope. But ultimately, what really needs to happen is for some real-world changes to be made to those problems rather than the media that's reflecting them. The media is merely mirroring what we see in the real world, and the real world is what needs fixing, not the media. I agree completely with Spencer, but the only thing I would add is that I think games can be a very powerful medium to raise those questions to a broader audience in a new way, Mm -hmm. and I would like to see part of the conversation around these kinds of issues as they come up happening in this space instead of just glossing over it and using it as fuel for a familiar genre. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I can't disagree with any of that. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm afraid that we're going to continue getting Hollywood and only the big action star stuff for this and not the thoughtful side that could exist. But I just hope that maybe people think more about what they should do instead of what they can do for some of the settings for things like this in the future. Yeah. And that sounds like we've wrapped up our podcast for today. <laughs> yeah, everyone's quiet. That's, that's usually sign of something. Good talk, everybody. Yeah. Lead us out, Spencer. Well, where can we find each of you on the internet? Starting with Nick. Uh, you can find me at Nick Cummings on Twitter. Uh, I am. I do. I make games, kind of, and uh, I write about games a lot. And uh, let's hang out. Congratulations on the article about your Space Cowboy Jam game, too. Yes. Oh, thank you. Yeah, you should uh, check that out. Is there Actually, is there a place that people can get to that, or is that linked on our site right now? The article? Uh, no, I mean the uh, the actual game itself. Oh, just go to NickCummings.com and click on Portfolio, and all my games are there. Or you can go to ymog.itch.io, and a lot of my Unity games are there as well. Is that I-T-C-H or I-C-H? Yeah, like something that you scratch. Okay. Yeah, well, I-C-H would be ick. Yeah. In German. <laughs> ick. Uh, Aaron. Uh, I am at Aaron Thayer on Twitter. 
Um, I also made a game recently, but nothing as cool as Nick. Ooh, so minor mostly... quest. <laughs> Goatee 2014. <laughs> you motherfuckers listen up. <laughs> yeah, you, you best listen. It has one level, and that's it. Um, no, but I, I'm in grad school, so I don't do a lot of uh, activities, but I'm always available on the site, and you will mostly see me through Silicon Sasquatch projects. Doug. I am at Douglas Bonham on Twitter. I still play games. I still tweet about a lot of nonsense, and I'm working on some stuff for SiliconSasquatch.com as a for some written articles as well. Hopefully, I can get this stuff up very soon. And Tyler, you can find me at Tyler A. Martin on most websites that have usernames. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I have not been really active recently uh, because I've been living in the forest of Japan where there is very little cell reception, but only one more week at summer camp and then I'll be back in Tokyo. And you can find me as always at uh, Spencer Tordoff on Twitter and my show Player Accounts at playeraccounts.net where we have the uh, sixth episode up. I think we did as of last podcast as well. Um, but you know, give it a listen. Let us know. Great show. Let us know what you think. And finally, of course, our uh, my various other work on SiliconSasquatch.com. Actually, got a uh, interview coming up uh, next week. Yeah, yeah. So, thank you so much for listening, and tune in next time. Thanks, guys. Bye bye. Silicon Sasquatch is an independent blog covering the social and cultural significance of games based in Portland, Oregon. Our five team members are Doug Bonham, Nick Cummings, Tyler Martin, Aaron Thayer, and Spencer Tordoff. This episode of the Squatchcast was produced by Nick Cummings. We publish new essays, editorials, analyses, and everything in between all the time at SiliconSasquatch.com. Follow along on Facebook at Facebook.com slash SiliconSasquatch or on Twitter where we are at Sasquatch Gaming. If you enjoyed our show, please tell your friends and subscribe to future episodes on iTunes or Stitcher Radio. As always, thanks for listening, and we'll be back next week with another episode.